the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, September the 30th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on September 30, 1962, James Meredith, he was a black student. He was escorted by federal marshals to the campus of the University of Mississippi. He enrolled for classes the next day. Meredith was not well received, as some of you may remember. His presence sparked rioting that claimed two lives. Today in 1777, the Continental Congress, forced to flee in the face of advancing British forces, moved our headquarters of what is now the United States of America to York, Pennsylvania. Today in 1938, after co-signing the Munich Agreement allowing Nazi annexation of Czechoslovakia's Sudanland, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, he became famous for this statement. He said, quote, I believe it is peace for our time. I said this yesterday in regards to this issue that was mentioned in our timeline yesterday. I'll say it again. Appeasement never is a good path ever in these kinds of relationships. Today, 1949, the Berlin airlift came to an end. Today, in 1954, the first nuclear-powered submarine, the USS Nautilus, it was commissioned and uh, by the Navy and put to work. Today, in 1984, the mystery, mystery series Murder, She Wrote, starring Angela Lansbury, premiered on CBS. And today, in 2001, under threat of U.S. military strikes, Afghanistan's hardline Taliban rulers, yes, those Taliban rulers, the ones that are back in power now, said explicitly for the first time that Osama bin Laden was actually still in their country and they knew where his hideout was located. Today in 2014, the first case of Ebola diagnosed in the United States was confirmed in a patient who had recently traveled from Liberia to Dallas, Texas. And five years ago today, Alabama's court of the judiciary permanently suspended State Chief Justice Roy Moore. Remember all of that? This time they were after him for defying federal court rulings on same-sex marriage. The Justice Chief Justice Roy Moore said that marriage can only be between a man and a woman because God himself created marriage. How do we have the authority to change marriage? It can be a relationship, he said. It can be some kind of an agreement, but it can't be marriage because Marriage is only between one man and one woman. Well, they would have none of that. And so they stripped him for life of his ability to uh, function in state government. It's sad, but it is true. That is somewhat of a picture of the mindset in our culture today. It is anti-God. It's anti-nature. And it's even anti-common sense. It's interesting how most of us out here across America, 
just sort of grew up somehow with a bit of common sense. We may not be Einstein, but we just have common sense. I mean, we look if you look at things and you haven't allowed your conscience to become seared, your mind to become so warped that it's taken on a, a warped shape and look at everything, you just look at things normally. Some of what is being pushed today, so much of it in the culture, is just so bizarre. I mean, if you just arrived from another planet and kind of stepped into the culture today, I think we would have to probably pause and say, what in the world is this? It's really sick. I want to talk a little bit about that today, but more importantly, I want to talk about the solution to all of this that's going on. But we need to be informed. And that's why we do what we do every day. And I want to thank you again today, as I did yesterday, for your support of this. I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it weren't for those of you who support us every month. The budget rolls around, and there's a growing group of people that stand with us financially every month. Thank you. And there are some who periodically give larger amounts. Thank you. That makes it happen. We truly would not be here without you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us, faithandfreedom.us, not .com, and you can contribute online. Thank you so much. I want to give you one verse from Psalm 34 today. Take this with you. This is the most important thing I have to say today because it's God's word. The righteous cry, Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Talk about simplicity. That's a simple statement that has eternal, profound significance. The righteous cry. Is anybody crying today in the culture, of course. Many of you are crying perhaps in your own heart because of circumstances, because of situations that we're enduring, even collectively in this crazy pandemic and the way it's being politicized and used by so many for different causes and different reasons. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of reasons today in the culture to make a person cry, if not outwardly, inwardly. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Sometimes God doesn't do it the way we would expect or want him to. His ways, remember, are higher than our ways. But God is faithful, God never fails, and God is in control. Don't forget that today. Elizabeth Warren was on MSNBC's, that's NBC's news channel. Not too many people watch it anymore, but I pay attention to it. I don't watch it, but I pay attention to what they're saying on there. Anyway, Senator Elizabeth Warren, she's kind of lied her way to her 
current position, and she's pretty well connected now to Bernie Sanders and the others on the extreme far left of the Democrat Party, which is itself very far left. But she was talking to them, and they were talking to her about Afghanistan and the withdrawal. What do you think, Senator Warren? What do you think about this and so on? And uh, as Lawrence O'Donnell is one of the hosts or the anchors or whatever on MSNBC, and O'Donnell said, what was your takeaway from the hearing about the evacuation from Afghanistan? Warren <clears throat> clears her throat, as she often does, the importance of it all. And she said that it was actually an amazing undertaking. It was done under chaotic circumstances. I'm quoting her now. This is a verbatim quote. Because the government had collapsed. Because the army had melted away the Afghan army, and that even in the midst of all of that, our military was able to get about 124,000 people out. They left no American-owned equipment behind. I go, what? That's what she said. They left no American-owned equipment behind. They managed to execute that. And yes, it was a risk. We lost a young woman from Massachusetts. I'm working now on trying to get the Congressional Medal of Honor for the people who we lost right at the end. But we knew it was a risky undertaking and the military performed. We should be proud of President Biden and proud of our military. That is, if I have ever seen doublespeak, that's it. And that's what progressives do. The further left, the more they do it. They left no American-owned equipment behind. You know how she justifies that? She was confronted about that, I'm sure. I, I don't know who did, but I'm sure somebody said, hey, what are you talking about? Aren't you aware that we left $83 billion of our equipment? The answer to that by the, by the progressive would be, no, that wasn't ours anymore. We gave it to them. So we didn't leave any of our equipment behind. We only left all of our technology for China, which they are now, at this time, very carefully going through and deconstructing and learning all of what makes our stuff so good and so superior. So we didn't leave any equipment behind. She fails to even mention, she makes a passing reference to the 13 military guys that were blown up because of the horrendous dysfunction in our withdrawal from Afghanistan. The left always puts, as they say, lipstick on the pig. And boy, this is it right here. And that kind of thinking, that kind of response translates into every part of our culture, our spiritual, our moral, our military in this case. Joe Biden did a horrible job. He didn't even show up. By all accounts, and if you pay any attention to this, these hearings that are going on, last week I mentioned that this book that Bob Woodward and this other guy put out or was releasing said in there that they had hard evidence that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, Army General Mark Milley, had said that he did have a conversation with this General Li from China, their main military guy, and his counterpart, and he had a back-channel call on October 30th, 2020, and he said, look, if, if Trump was still in office, and so this was about President Trump, 
He said, if he plans to attack you guys, I'll let you know in advance. And you, you stop and you think our people at the highest levels in our military are telling our number one enemy, and China is our number one enemy. And I think most of us know that. And it just causes a chill to think that our main guy in the military is telling China's main guy, hey, don't you worry about this president. If he plans to do anything, I'll give you a call. I'll let you know in advance. He did. So they confronted him yesterday in these hearings about that specific thing and some other things as well. But he admitted, he said, yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, he had to say it because they have they had the evidence. I'm no fan of Bob Woodward, but he got it right on that and some other things in his book. What he what he said, our Joint Chiefs of Staff, Army General Mark Milley, what he said to the Chinese guy, General Lee, he said, General Lee, you and I have known each other for five years now. You're going, if, you're, if we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. It's not going to be a bolt out of the blue. You know how he explained that? He said, oh, we have those kinds of back channel all the time. He said, that's how we keep balance and peace and keep the tension balanced in the world affairs. Is that how we deal with China? Promising them that we'll let them know what we're going to do ahead of time from one of our top military? I don't know. Progressivism contaminates everything it touches. Everything. Because it is ungodly, unrighteous, and it's anti-biblical. That's why when these people who are supposedly Christians... They claim to be and identify even as evangelical Christians, not only promote and advance this agenda, and I'm not talking about politics, I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about life itself. When they promote this and, and push this forward on the one hand and claim to be following Jesus on the other hand, I have a problem with that. And I'm not an outsider looking over the fence. I've, I've been an ordained minister for 50 years now. Yes, I was only one years old when I was ordained. <laughs> I speak with a pastor's heart. But this is really bothering me because I see more and more being sucked into this in the church. And I see now the church leadership starting to bend toward that kind of thinking. What's the matter with us? I don't know what's the matter with us except to say that we are being deceived. And America is paying the price for it. America, a country that God gave us for such a time as this in the world to do good things, and we have, you would not know that, by all the press and by the projects out there, 1619 and all this stuff, you would think we were Satan himself. But America is good. We have done good things. We have given good a good life. The country that we have created, that God chose to bless in very unique ways. No, we're not a replacement for Israel. And no, we're not high and lifted up. But God has blessed America. We have made some mistakes. Of course we have. And we have addressed those mistakes. 
But people in the church are being sucked into this this confusion, this cesspool of confusion, claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ on the one hand and embracing and advocating and even advancing this crazy philosophy on the other. And nowhere is it more evident than in public education. Former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, he's running for governor again. He was governor. He's a big deal in the Democratic Party. He might have been chairman of the Democrat Party at one time. I'm not sure about that. But I know he's been really connected to the Clintons and, you know, the Obamas, all of these guys. Anyway, in Virginia, which is right across the Potomac from Washington, D.C., as you know, So McAuliffe has decided that he wants to run again. He was governor here a couple of terms back. I can't remember how many years ago it was. But anyway, he's running for governor again. He's running against uh, a Republican who is not a lifelong uh, politician. He's a businessman. Glenn Youngkin is his name. So anyway, in this context, they were having this uh, debate, the the election, the governor's election in uh, Virginia is coming up in November. And um, they were having this debate. It was Tuesday evening. And um, Republican Glenn Youngkin, he brought up this whole issue of telling schools and schools telling parents how it's going to be. Well, that opened up a can of worms, as they say, because McAuliffe has always taken the position of kind of anti-parents, except for himself, and kind of pro way far left, and he is, particularly as it relates to public education. The governor had said back when he was in office before, I don't think, I'm quoting him, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Well, Youngkin is a very smart guy. He's a very successful businessman. He's he's fairly wealthy as from what I can gather. I don't know him. I haven't met him, but I know quite a bit about him because I've taken time to find out who he is. Because this is a pretty significant, I know most of us don't live in Virginia, but it's a pretty significant uh, election because of the ramifications and because of the dynamics of it. So as he elaborated, he gave the country a very clear look at where not only he, but his fellow so-called progressives are coming from regarding public education and your children or grandchildren. As you can imagine, most parents, when they heard this, they reacted to the stark realities of this so-called progressivism. And I'm glad they did, and I hope they do more so, as I do. This also gave parents across the nation a reason to pause. They don't live in Virginia, but this is the party thinking. McAuliffe is not only a former governor running again for governor, but he's, as I said, a longtime leader in the Democratic Party. His opponent, this Glenn Youngkin, he's a former CEO of a private equity firm. It's called the Carlisle Group. Anyway, he reacted by saying he believes that local school districts should include parents in decisions regarding the education content taught in their children. As I said, I don't know this guy. I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he, he certainly leans conservative, and he's a whole lot better than McAuliffe, I can tell you. But on the debate stage, Yonkin challenged McAuliffe on who should have the last word on child's education. Smart move, because McAuliffe loses in regards to parents. In defense of the bill, 
that he had vetoed when he was governor. He said, I stopped the bill because I didn't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. I'm not going to let parents, he said, this is a quote, I'm not going to let parents come into school and actually take books out and make their own decisions. Yonkin, of course, believes differently. He said, I believe parents should be in charge of their kids' education. After all, we parents are paying for it, whether we support public education or not. But back in 2016, the Washington Post had picked up on this, and I went back and looked at their article, and they reported that when Governor McAuliffe vetoed this bill, it was known as the Beloved, and I don't have time to get into it, but what that is, but just to say that it's the title of a very pornographic, so-called high literature um, piece, and that had been presented to kids, and it's very pornographic. So... It was about that, and this bill, and the, all of the conversation began to identify the conversation and the content as the beloved conversation, or the beloved bill, in this case. So that, that's what's behind that. But the legislation would have required teachers to inform parents of any sexually explicit material being presented in the classroom, and give them the option to opt out their child in the lesson. Parents were trying to take over, they were trying to keep their kids from being exposed to the worst of the worst before they could even handle it and deal with it and make the moral choices. Some of these kids were like 12 years old. So Youngkin called out then-Governor McAuliffe way back when on the veto at the time. But Tuesday evening during the debate, he noted that parents were in an uproar just last week, not back in 2016. He said, you guys are continuing to do this. Their parents are in an uproar in Fairfax County, which is in Virginia, in the high school, because they're presenting sexually explicit material in the library without parental consent. The school district removed a couple of books trying to placate appeasement, placate the parents. One of them was Gender Queer, and that's in a number of schools. And it, you, you need to check it out if you've got kids or grandkids in public school. Gender Queer, it's by uh, Maya Kobabe, I, I think that's how you pronounce the name. And there's another one, it's a novel, it's called Lawn Boy, and I'm pretty familiar with that one because it comes up a lot. But it's they're both pornographic. It was written, Lawn Boy is written by this Jonathan Evison or something like that from a uh, high school library. Uh, he, he wrote it, and it's in these high school libraries all across the country. Even WTOP, it's a big talk station in WT, uh, in Washington, D.C. It's heard all, mostly all over Virginia and all over the place back there. They've been talking about it on the news, and I've been kind of following what they have been saying. But this Kobabe's book contains illustrations of of oral sex and master and all of this stuff for the kids. And it's luring them into things they ought not to be considering. So last Thursday evening at the board meeting that was held, which parents challenged school administrators regarding their children's accessibility to these kinds of books. Back in 2016, when this issue became public, it was again apparent. Anna Scholl and another parent, Laura Murphy, that were speaking out about it. Now, fast forward five years, back to the same issue. They haven't changed. They make promises. They say, oh, yes, well, oh, oh, certainly, uh, of course. But nothing changes. They just continue to do what they've been doing. This current issue has also stemmed from concerned parents. 
and now it's captured national attention. It's in the national news now. Stacy Langton, she's a parent in the Fairfax County school system. This is today, not five years ago. She raised the issue at the Thursday evening board meeting, last Thursday, a week ago today, when she, she began asking questions. Then she began reading explicit passages from one of these books, reading it on the microphone, on the record. Place was packed, school board. As she quoted the explicit passages in the book that these people are determined to put in front of their children, I mean these people's children, and your children as well. Be sure you check this out. As she quoted the explicit passages in the book, one of the school board members threw a tantrum. And he interrupted her. And he chastised her. He said, you can't use explicit language like that in a board meeting. Let that sink in for a moment. They're not willing to let her read from the book that they're pushing down the throat of her children. She's angry. I'm glad. She's very, very angry and very well-spoken. Others are stepping up. Now, this is becoming a major issue, and that's why I even chose to talk a little bit about it today. She says this mother says it's very unfair to demonize and marginalize parents because they have serious concerns. But the school board member, this Carl Frisch, he's on this same school board, he said after the after they had shut this mother down and wouldn't allow her to read what they are giving her child in the classroom out loud, this guy, he steps up and makes a statement. This Carl Frisch. And here's what's driving all of this. He said, I want to make it very, very clear. (laughs) He said, and I quote, board member to parent, quote, Nothing will disrupt our board's commitment to the LGBTQIA plus students, families, and staff. Nothing. Board member to parent who is concerned about pornography and it is so gross they won't let her read from it in a board meeting, but they're pushing it down her child's throat or into his mind. Or trying to. And here's what one board member said. Quote, Nothing will disrupt our board's commitment to LGBTQIA plus students and families and staff. Nothing. Not even you, mom or parent. I'll tell you. That's where we are today. But Frisch's emboldened declaration gives parents pause across the country. And the fact that he said it made may serve a higher purpose. But these are the kinds of issues that are not isolated. They're not in just in Virginia. They're in King County and Multnomah County, and they're everywhere, all over the nation. Oh, all teachers aren't bad. I mean, there are wonderful teachers teaching in public education. My daughter-in-law is one of them. But I'm telling you, there are people all throughout the nation that are pushing this kind of an agenda, and they will do, as this board member said, whatever it takes to bring our children over the edge morally. It is gross. It is immoral. It is child abuse. And parents, you should be aware of it. Grandparents, 
And if there is any way you can take your kids out of public education, I strongly, strongly urge you to do so. And I've come to that slowly, but I'm there. And perfectly consider running for your local school board. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.